So today we're going to close out the series that we started three weeks ago. About three weeks ago, uh, we started talking about uh, fear, and that's why we call this pray, because what do we do when we're super, super fearful? We're like, ah, so we start praying, which is actually a really good thing. You should pray when, you, when you're afraid. Uh, and so we, we talked about, but the, when you're afraid, when you have intense fear, we have different reactions to that. Uh, and, and so uh, Amy, who is our, our campus therapist or our new break therapist, talked about the fact that we go into either flight, which is I'm, I'm running for the hills, I'm just getting out of here, or we go into fight, we get angry, and we just come straight at it, or sometimes we just kind of go into freeze mode, and we're just kind of this paralysis that, that will, will hit us. And, and so today, uh, I know last week, Sarah, I heard Sarah did an awesome job last week. How many of you here heard Sarah? That, she just knocked it out of the park. And, um, but today, so she talked about um, flight, uh, like when you're there and you're like, you just want to run. Today, we're going to talk about fight, and, and, and that when you're afraid, sometimes we're, we get into fight mode, and sometimes it's really, for me personally, I don't know how everybody else is, but fight is not like, I want to fight. It's kind of like, usually I fight because I'm out of fear, and I, don't, I feel like you know, I'm, a, I'm a, like a caged or cornered animal, and, and so I just, I react. So I, I want to talk about that a little bit today, and of course, that plays itself out into so many different scenarios in life. And so I'm going to tell you about one that's personal to me, but as I'm talking about it, I want you to be thinking about maybe something that might, you might be involved in right now, and you feel angry, and you feel like you want to fight in some way, and, and it could be a family thing, it could be a business thing, um, it, it could be with your best friend, or just what, whatever it is, just so think about that. Many years ago, um, I was... I was um, the lead of a nonprofit corporation. And uh, about two years into leading this, this corporation, now the, the corporation had kind of an interesting structure. I was not the chairman of the board, although I led this, this, uh, this corporation, this nonprofit. Um, and anyway, things were just kind of humming along. And, and uh, one day I, I received some news that just buckled my knees. Uh, and, and the news was, I'd, I'd hired a guy to be a part of this organization, and, and uh, I really, I hired him because I liked him, I thought he could do a good job and everything, and, and one day, one of the board members called me up, and he said, hey, just see some news, and this is, this is a board member who, you know, was a great friend to me and everything, he said, just receive some news from that guy that you hired about you, and it's really not good, and so I said, well, what, what are you talking about, I, this just, I was blindsided by this whole thing. And so he shared with me what it was, and basically this guy that I had hired had really sabotaged me. Uh, basically, it was kind of a power play to, to you know, take the organization. And so I, I was in immediate just fear. I wanted to run. I, want, I, I was freezing up. I was angry. I was all those emotions at the same time. I just didn't know what to do. This all happened in one single day. You ever had a day like that, and it just feels like your world's falling apart? It was that kind of a day. So I called up a colleague of mine, and uh, I, I, I began to tell him about it. He said, come on over here. And so I, I went over, and we, we actually had dinner together. And it was really difficult for me to eat because my stomach was all messed up as, as I'm telling him the story. So he listens to the story, and he said, so what, what else can, is, do you need to tell me? And I said, well, there's actually a, a secret board meeting going on tonight. He goes, tonight? He goes, and you're not there? And I said, I, I don't know what to do. He said, so, you know, according to the rules, you know, so when you're the leader of, you know, an organization, you probably ought to be in the board meeting. 
right? And, but I wasn't invited. And so I knew the location because of the one friend of mine, and, and, and I knew what time. And so my friend said, you get over there right now. And, and so I, I went over there, and, and so I'm driving over there, and the longer I drive, the, angry I, the angrier I'm getting. I mean, I'm just like fighting mad by the time I get there. And I'll, I'll never remember, or I'll never forget, I should say, that, that, uh, that when I got, this, this was at somebody's house, and it was summertime, and the door to the home was wide open, and obviously they were not expecting Steve Bombacci to walk in the door. And so uh, I come walking in, and you talk about an awkward moment <laughs> for everybody. I came in, I was mad, I had, uh, I think, a file in my hand, and I just took it, and I slammed it right on top of the table in front of him, I said, what? Are you doing having a meeting without me here? And again, red faces across the room, silence. So (laughs) needless to say, we had an interesting discussion that night. I was able to salvage the situation, and I don't want to tell you the rest of the story, but we, we, we we finally got it worked out. But it was one of those moments when fight was actually the thing to do. I, I wanted everything inside of me, I wanted to run, but, but to fight, when I say fight, I don't always mean, I'm not talking about this kind of fight. I'm talking about you, you got to step forward, you got to do what you got to do. And, and so I wanna, we want to ask this question to, uh, as we begin this morning, what can we do when we're facing a battle everywhere we turn? And maybe some of you walked in this morning and you go, you just described my life. Man, I mean, there is a battle on every front. I've got a battle going with my kids. I've got a got battle going in my marriage. I've, I've got a battle going on with some some of my most serious relationships right now. Uh, I've got a, a battle going on with something related to the financial world. You know, I mean, all of us, and you just, you just feel like, I'm just, I feel like I'm spinning out sometimes. I, I feel, I, I have fear. I have all these emotions, all these visceral emotions that are happening at the same time. You came to the right message on the right day if you're going through that, okay? Because we're going to learn some things that can really, really help us. And we've been learning these things through the life of David. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you probably know at least this much. There was a guy named King David, and he was the most powerful, the most popular, and the greatest king of Israel that, that ever lived. Uh, but he was a, he was a character. Um, man, I, I, he got himself in some trouble. But the Bible says of him, and this is why we talk about David a lot. First of all, the Bible does talk in the Old Testament about David a lot anyway. There's a lot of story about David. I mean, you thought Indiana Jones was exciting, his adventures? You need to read the adventures of David. I mean, it is like, wow, kind of just has you hanging. So today we're going to get a little bit more into his adventures. But the Bible says of David, he was a man after God's own heart. And even though he got himself in all kinds of trouble and he did some really, really bad things and stupid things, he always, always came back to God. He always looked to God. And this is, this is why we're looking into the stories of, of David. So if you have your Bibles, I would like you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 23. And uh, here, let me just quickly, before we get into it, let me kind of give you the backdrop here. Uh, so, so David is not king yet. He's been anointed king by Samuel the prophet. Uh, he's probably only, he's, he's maybe a year, maybe the three years away from actually becoming the king. But he is on the run because his father-in-law, who is the first king of Israel, his name is Saul, is, is chasing him down and hunting him down, and he wants to kill him. He's already made several attempts to try to kill uh, his son-in-law, David, because he's jealous of him. Uh, you know, all the girls are singing the songs about David. He's killed his tens of thousands. 
And about Saul, they say, well, he's killed some thousands, but David is the man. And so he's extremely, extremely jealous of, of uh, his son-in-law, David. And so David, is, he, he's on the run right now, and uh, this, is, this is where he, we pick up the story. And at this point, David's got about 400 guys that are loyal to him, and they're following him. Um, so in verse 1, when David was told, look, the, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? So real quickly, there's a lot of history between Israel and the Philistines, if you're in the Old Testament, a lot of history. And it's not good history. Basically, uh, the Philistines are, are the enemy of Israel, and they hate Israel. Uh, and so there's just constant warfare going on between Israel and the Philistines. Saul has had some, um, some success in his battles against the Philistines. Sometimes he does, sometimes he's not. David, for whatever reasons, God is with him. He's, he's the warrior. He, he's the champion. He seems to always be at his best against the Philistines. Uh, and so he hears about this situation that's going on. And so, but look, look what he, he He doesn't go into fighting mode right away. He just says, well, wait a second. Before we go into fighting mode, let's inquire of God. And the Lord answered him, go attack the Philistines and, and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, here in Judah, we're afraid. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Once again, now this is already twice, he said, once again, David inquired of the Lord. Notice how he keeps going back. He goes, okay, all right, um, you guys are really afraid. Don't want to do this if we shouldn't do this. So he goes back to the Lord. And the Lord answered him, go to Keilah, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. And so David and his men went to Keilah, fought the Philistines, carried off their livestock, and he inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines, and he saved the people of Keilah. Remember that part right there in the story because it's important. He saved them. Now, Abither, the son of Ahimelech, uh, brought the ephod down with him when he fled to David at Keilah. And you're probably wondering, like, an ephod, what is an ephod? So the Old, the, the, the old Testament priests would wear this linen garment, and it was called an ephod, and it had some really interesting uh, pieces to it. One of the pieces was these lots, these um, sacred lots that you could cast, make a, a decision about, did God say yes or did God say no? So that, this will kind of play into the story a little bit. So, as always, why are, we, why are we talking about this story? Because there are lessons to be learned. And the first lesson that we learn in this, so you're in the thick of battle on every front, you're afraid, you know what to do. Allow God to pick your battles for you. Get, in fact, just get God involved when you're in one of those battles. I, sometimes, if you're, uh, some people, are, they're designed for flight, running for the hills. And some people are designed for fight, and neither is the solution all the time. All right? And so you, you have to know what, what kind of a person you are. Uh, when David is told, look, the Philistines are fighting to Kila, uh, to, against Keilah and are looking for the threshing floor, he inquired. Uh, he did the smart thing. He said, I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to check in with God and find out what, what, what's really going on here. He knew the same thing that, that we should know, and that is that we don't have to show up at every battle that we're invited to. How many of you know this, that life is a battle? There are a lot of battles that are out there, but, but you don't have to fight every one of them. Uh, one time, it, I, was just, I, I was going through a real battle in a church situation, and I called up this guy I really respected, and he just told me that, almost verbatim. He said that, Steve, you don't, you don't have to show up for every battle. You know? every battle. Every battle is not yours. 
Every issue is not mine to fix. Mike Tyson, former heavyweight champion of the world, once said, everybody's got a a fight plan until you get smashed in the face. Kind of changes things a little bit, doesn't it? And you get a little bit wiser, you know, and really the better part of wisdom is before you rush in and go and tackle this problem and I'm going to get them and, you know, I'm going to fix this thing, is to step back a little bit and, and inquire of God. Say, well, wait a second, you know, is this, is this the thing to do now? I'll never forget I was, uh, I was working years ago. I was, I was I actually I was about 19 years old and I was working for my dad. And uh, outside, he used to have a service station and outside the service station, this, this fight began to develop. And it was actually, it was a physical fight, but it was between uh, two, a man and a woman. They looked to be like in their late uh, 20s. And they got louder and louder and louder. And so pretty soon, everybody, you know, that was coming in and, you know, being served and everything, we were all looking like, what's going to happen, man? And, and so suddenly, they just started going at each other. So, I mean, they're just duking it out. And, and I, was, I was standing probably about 20 yards from them, and I thought, he can't do that. I mean, even though she was fighting back, I was like, he can't be hitting her like that. And I was just getting ready to go over to jump in and try to fix the situation when another guy did what I was going to do, and he jumped in. And can you probably guess what happened? They both turned on him and beat him up. So he comes in to try to fix the problem, and they both turn on him and start beating on him. See, that's a good example of many times in our life when we think, well, I'm, I'm a, how many of you are fixers? Like, you just fix stuff, right? You fix relationships, man. You, whatever is going, well, I'm, I'm going to you know, roll up my sleeves, man. I'm, I'm going to fix this thing. And, but there, sometimes you just need to say, well, you know, before I go in to fix this thing, God, should I be the fixer in this one? You know, uh, you might even be qualified to. You might have the gift to do it. Um, you might have the experience to do it. But not always. David, David was a warrior. David was a fighter. He knew how to fight. He was a champion. But even he realized, look it, I shouldn't go into every fight that I'm, I'm, in, I'm invited to. That's why he says, God, what do I do? Should I go and I attack the Philistines and, and save the, go attack these people? So he asked. He asked the question. And, and so the question I want to ask you, are you asking the question? Are you getting God involved in those things? Now, I'm not saying that God has to get invited to every little issue that's going on in your life. I'm talking about where it begins to become intense and maybe the fear factor is starting to go up and you're feeling it and you're getting uh, confused and you're, you're at the point where you're saying, man, I, I don't know what to do, man. I, I don't. This is where God gets invited in. This is where God actually wants you to invite him in and he, he wants to help you. But he needs to be invited. You know, and maybe you've never done this before. You're like, well, well how does that work? And well, we're going we're to talk about that. Because really, it's about hearing the voice of God. We've got to decide, first of all, whose voice we're, we're going to listen to. So David's hearing some voices here. Before he hears God's voice, he, he hears the voices of his men. And there's always going to be those other voices that are out there. I said, but David said to him, here in Judah, we're afraid. How many, these are the guys talking to David. They're going, we're, we're freaking out, David. Uh, we don't want to go fight. Those Philistines, man, they are tough. But David continues, and he goes back to God, and he says, okay, I've heard what they're saying. I'm their leader. You know, I've got the awesome responsibility of, of leading this group. But God, I want to hear you. I want to hear what you have to say about this. What if, what if 
That just became your modus operandi from this day forward. What if every time they, they got really intense and you became very afraid and there was fear that was just welling up in you, you turned to God and said, what say you, God? What would you have me to do in, in, in this particular situation? The Lord spoke to him. He says, go down to tequila for I'm going to give the Philistines into your hands. And so he actually got an answer in this particular situation. Now, I, I, how, the question I want to ask you is this, how am I developing the ability to hear God? I, I think probably the key word here is developing, is developing. How do you hear God? How do you listen to God? How do you even know that you have heard from God? And this is probably one of the biggest questions as a pastor that I've been asked through the years. Like, how do I know it's God? How do I know it? it's not God? Not, not God. So I've been, I've been journeying with the Lord now for a long, long time. And I will tell you this about myself. I hear God way better than I used to. So it is something you can develop this skill. Uh, but there's, there's ways to do it, and we, and we want to help you. One of the things that you can do is, is get this book right here. This book is so good. I read it, uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago. Uh, Mark Batterson, he pastors a great church over in Washington, D.C., and he's, he's a great guy. He's written all kinds of books. This made the, the New York best list of t- uh, bestsellers. Um, but this book will really help you. And, and so let me kind of break down some of the principles we took out of this book. Uh, and th- there's a whole bunch of them, and these, I think, will help you a little bit. It's called The Seven Love Languages of God. And, and so um, if you've been here for a long time, what does is, what is Pastor Steve Bombacci always say? Right. I, I, okay, so let me read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Now, why does, why does Steve always say that? Because the Bible is kind of the grid that everything else gets, gets filtered through, if, if you will. Like, you want to hear the voice of God. So here's what happens if you don't know the Bible. And I know this because I have people come to me, you know, every once in a while, and they'll say, I think I might have heard from God. And I'll say, well, well, tell me what you think God is telling you. And then they'll tell me, and what they are telling me is in direct uh, opposition to what the Bible even says. And so, see, that, that's your way. If you know the Bible, you're way ahead. Because if you know the Bible, you kind of have a, you have to know the ways of God. You know the, director, the directions of God, the laws of God, the commands of God, the purposes of God, the heart. Really, I think more important than anything else, you kind of get a sense of the heart of God. That God always leads with love. He always leads with compassion. You, so you have to ask your question, well, what would God do? What would Jesus do in this situation? And if you have scripture in you, you'll do that. And, and uh, I, I know what a lot of you are going, well, it's just hard to read the Bible, but there's so many Bible helps out there. Um, if you struggle with reading the Bible, come talk to me, and I'll try to help you get in, involved in, in a way where the Bible will begin to make sense to you. But you, you need to have that. I've had people come to me, just to give you an example, uh, I've had uh, spouses come to me and say, I feel like God is asking me to leave my wife uh, with, to be with this other woman. Or I, I, and guys, you know, women, the same thing. I, I feel like God is asking me to leave my family. And I, I'm like, okay, so God doesn't contradict himself. And, and so that's why it's so important to get into the Bible. That's, that's the first one. That's, that's the big, because that's really the primary way that God speaks to us. But God also speaks to us in a lot of other ways. For instance, doors. We call it open doors, closed doors. Anybody ever use this open door, closed door policy? And, okay, some of you do. Yeah, right. And it's, it's, it doesn't, it's, it's not like a, a thing that you do all the time. But in uh, my wife's and my life, 
Uh, we've actually used this several times, and so I'll give you one example of that. One of them is that my wife Karen uh, actually began with us all many years ago when we were South Coast, and she was everything from secretary to almost everything you could do in the church as we got it going. Uh, and then she became the campus director when we became Newbreak. Uh, but at the same time, she was getting into to real estate. She really wanted to get back in the real estate world. But, you know, um, it, it, it was a time in the, this, the life of this church when she just needed to be here. And she did a fantastic job, but the job description began to change as we were praying about it so that really um, what Karen did was no longer a fit for that. And so the door closed. And at the same time that door was closing, the door for real estate opened. See, that, that, sometimes God will just do things like that. So there's the, the open door. And, and for me, it's one of my favorite ways for God to speak because it's not very complicated. Oh, okay, that door just closed. Can't walk through that one. And then, uh, oh, that door just opened wide open. Thank you, God. So I have clarity about that. So that, that's a really good one. Um, another one is dream. Now, you've got to be really careful about dreams, okay? This, uh, this comes with red flags and warnings because there's certain people that really like, yeah, I'm all about that, man. I have dreams. I was naked on the beach the other day, and I'm, I'm still trying to interpret what that means. It probably means you had too much pizza the night before. Don't even go with that one, okay? But there are dreams. There are dreams that God has used, and still all the way through the Bible, at various times, God has spoken to people through dreams. And sometimes it won't be your dream. Sometimes it'll actually be somebody else's dream, uh, and they'll come to you and say, I had a dream. So uh, many years ago, I had somebody who was very, very close to me and a godly person, and they said, Steve, I had a dream about you. And anytime I've ever heard that, I'm like... Red flags all over. Uh, I don't know, man. Okay, tell me about that dream, even though I really trusted this person. And so, um, you know, they told me the dream, and I didn't really like the dream at all. I mean, it, it just wasn't a good dream as far as my life and how things would play out. So I didn't write the dream off, though. I, I kind of kept it in the back of my mind. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't like where that dream went, but, uh, you know, I'm going to keep that uh, in my back pocket. And sure enough... That dream happened exactly as that person told me. I'm not going to tell you what the dream was, but I, it, it played out in my life. And I'm like, whoa. So that was, that was a dream. Obviously, God had given that person a dream for me. Okay, so, but I, I say that, again, I just caution, caution, caution. If somebody tells you they have a dream for you, you listen, but that doesn't mean you have to go do it. Just, just like I put it in your back pocket and say, okay, okay. Here's another one. Um, other people. This is the one God's used a lot in my life. He speaks through other people. This is why we're so high on, 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 on life groups around here. And just, just coming into any kind of group, where you know, a faith group, just a, a sense of community of people of faith, coming together. And this is primarily what we do in life groups. We just share life. We talk about our life. We share scripture. We try to encourage each other, pray for each other. But in those settings... Oftentimes, God will speak through somebody else to you, and oftentimes, they don't even know that they're doing it. I can't tell you how many times somebody has said something, and they didn't even know that God was speaking directly to them, to me, through them, to me. And there are other times that I was speaking, and somebody later on said, do you know God used you to speak to me? And I'm like, well, what did I say? I don't, you know, because it wasn't like one of those thus saith the Lord kind of things. I just was talking to him, and, and, and the person said, no, you, God really used you to talk to me. And so don't ever rule that out. God, God will talk through, through people. Here's another one. 
Don't ever rule out desires. God has created us with desires. Big desires, big dreams. Don't ever rule that out. You know, God loves you. He has a purpose for you. And, and God, I think God finds pleasure in really being able to satisfy your dreams and desires. The Bible says he gives us the desires of our heart. The other day, uh, I was talking to my, my daughter, Rachel, and we have two grandchildren. We have Bailey and Keaton. Bailey is four, Keaton's one. And, and my daughter wants to spend more time with them, but finances are a little bit tight, so she had this job opportunity. And so she was talking to my wife and myself, and she was trying to make this decision. She said, I, I, I need the job, I, I need the money, but I hate the fact that now I won't be able to spend all this time with, with my two daughters. And I just don't, I'm kind of just don't know what to do. Um, and, and so, you know, we both gave our best ad- advice. Um, and one of mine was, well, follow your dreams. And, and she, one of her dreams is, is to create an acting group. She used to be an actress and to start this group over in New Mexico where they live. Um, and it's kind of a risky thing, you know. There may not be a lot of money in it. Uh, but anyway, she said, well, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. And so she decided to go with faith in her dream and desire. And the minute she did, another job opened up that would still allow her to be with her daughter, just like that. God honored that. And she said, God is giving me the desires of my heart. That's what God wants to do in all of our lives. He's a good God. He's a good, good father, as the song says. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. So don't ever rule out your desires. And then there's, there's the prompting. Promptings are kind of interesting. Promptings, I think promptings happen more with people that have been following God for a while. It's kind of like beginning to understand, like, how does God specifically speak to you? Uh, and and that's, that's, a whole, that's a whole different message because God speaks to all of us differently. And, and, and so a prompting is something where you begin to say, I think, I think that was God. And I think that God was trying to, to tell me something. And it could be anything from something that you experience in nature to something that is situational that happens. And you just start to read it. You begin to go, I think, and this is the prompting, I think God is trying to tell me something through that. And, and so some of you are a little more sensitive to that, and you, and you probably experienced that in, in your life. And then the last one is the toughest one, pain. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said that, that God whispers to us in our pleasures, and he shouts to us in our pain, doesn't it? Because when we're in pain, we shout, right? I mean, we're like, God! This week, I had one of the most gnarly flus I think I've ever had in my life. I felt like I had malaria for like three days. And, and I, you know what Steve Mbachi was doing? I was, oh, I was just shouting out, God, I'm in pain, I'm in pain, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. We all do that. Now, I'm not sure what God was trying to tell me because I had just come back from vacation and it seemed like life was pretty good. But, you know, I got to figure that one out. But a lot of times in our life, and by the way, when you're in pain, it doesn't always mean God's trying to, I'm just kind of messing with you a little bit. But a lot of times in my life, and probably some of you know this, when pain begins to happen, pain is an indication of something that's going on that may is, probably is not right. It, it could be not right in terms of, of, of where you are with God, something that you're involved in, something that you're doing, something that's happening in your life. And God, so God begins to ramp up the pain in some area of your life. He, he's a good, good father, right? That's what good dads do. Sometimes they say, Oh, man, you know, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to have to bring a little bit of pain to the situation because, you know, you're, you're going crazy. You know, you're, just, you're, you're going off-road and you're going someplace you shouldn't go. And God will do that in our life. So there's, those are just some examples of hearing the voice of God, especially when you're panicked. 
especially when you're in fear and you don't know what to do. So you talk to God and you talk to him actively. Say, God, I'm talking to you. And here's one of the ways that you can do it. Um, you can do it like David does it. If you have your, if you have your Bibles, I want to read seven verses because this is a really, really short psalm. And um, the reason that I want to read it to you is because it, it kind of captures the emotion uh, and everything that, that David is going through. So David, uh, in our vernacular, we'd say this, he is freaking out. And this is one of the psalms that was written. There were several psalms that David wrote when he was freaking out, when he was afraid, when he was afraid for his life, when he was on the run. And this is what he says to me. <laughs> I, I love the way he says, save me. You ever felt that way before? That's what he says, save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. He recognizes God's power. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. You ever said that? God, hear me. Listen to me. I'm talking to you. Arrogant foes are attacking me. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. In other words, my, my, my crazy father-in-law is trying to kill me. People without regard for God. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Let evil recoil on, on those, recoil on those who slander me. In your faithfulness, uh, destroy them. He, David was not very PC. <laughs> I will sacrifice a free will offering to you, God. I, I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. You have delivered me from all of my troubles. And he can say that because God kept delivering him over and over again. And my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. That's a very honest prayer. And God loves honest prayers. When you're afraid, you don't have to pray some flowery prayer. You don't have to try to impress God with your prayers. You need to be like David and just get honest and go, help! And, and God will come. Tell him what's going on. You know, tell him how you're feeling. Describe the emotions that are, that are going on in, inside of you. Now, when you do that, a lot of times when we call on God, we go, okay, God, getting ready for you to come and save the day for me. Here's one of the things that sometimes happens, and it can really, really mess us up, and that is we, we confuse our expectations, our expectations of God with the plans of God. How many of you have been walking with God long enough and you say, you know, sometimes my expectations and God's expectations are not the same thing? You sort of figured that out? Right, yeah, so... You know, we have a plan, then God has a plan, and we're like, I just really wish that uh, my plan was God's plan, or God's plan was mine. You know, we wish they were the same, but oftentimes they're not. And when they're not, it kind of, it kind of confuses us. Sometimes it even kind of gets us a little bit angry. So let's uh, carry on in the story. Verse 7, chapter 23, First Samuel, verse 7. Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah, and he said, God has delivered him into my hands. For David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up, to his forces, called up his forces to battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. So in Saul's mind, he's like, got him. And it, it's, I think that it's really interesting that he says, God has given David to me. Like he, he's on the wrong side of things. He's trying to kill his son-in-law, and he involves God in this and says, thank you, God. When David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abithra, the priest, bring the ephod. Now, let's go talk about that ephod thing again. The ephod, again, was that, that little garment the priest wore. 
and, and it represented a way to connect with God is what it was. And, and so David said, man, I need to hear from God. David said, Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to, to come to Keilah and destroy the towns on account of me. And then he asked the question, will the citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? And, and, and will, will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said, probably the worst news ever, he will. And again, so the, he asked the first question. That's really pretty bad news. Again, David asked, will the citizens of Keilah surrender me and my men to Saul? And he receives more bad news. And the Lord said, yeah, they will. So yeah, Saul's coming for you. And by the way, you know the town that you just saved? You know what they're going to do for you? They're going to just turn you right over to your crazy father-in-law to be killed. Worst news ever. And there's a lot of things that, a lot of reactions that, that David could have had because of this. Uh, anger would probably be the first one. Like, God, really? Like, I'm running for my life. I'm calling on you to help me. And you're telling me that now, you know, Saul's coming after me. And you're telling me that this town that I just sacrificed my life to save is like, they're just going to turn me over? Like, what in the world is going on? So instead of, uh, we, sometimes we assume things of God, and, and sometimes assuming is the worst thing that you can do. Assumptions. Assumptions. My wife and I have been married for almost 39 years. And I, I think I know her pretty well. And a lot of times I make assumptions based on our history. So yesterday, my wife did something that in the history of our marriage, she has never done before. She slapped me. <laughs> right across the face. I mean, just... Phew. I'm like, I was stunned, to say the least. And so when she slapped me, immediately it was time to make some assumptions. <laughs> right? Like, first of all, because, you know, we're having this conversation. It wasn't a heated conversation. It was more informational and everything. And, and so, slap, and I'm like, you know, like this. And, and so, if I make the wrongest, what, what if my assumption was, well, she did that on purpose, you know, because I don't know why, but I'm going to slap her back. <laughs> I'm going to slap her back right now. Right? But I'm waiting, you know, and it didn't take very long. I'm just thinking, I don't know where this slap came from, and all of a sudden, when she pulls her hand, she turns around, and there is a mosquito, deader than dead. She saved my life from that blood-sucking mosquito. Thank you, Karen. So, very quickly, very quickly, it went from, what in the world are you doing slapping me, to, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for slapping me, because that mosquito didn't get me. So, <laughs> so when, it, when it comes to, to God, sometimes it's like that. We feel like we're getting a slap, and it's like, God, did you just slap me? I mean, I'm asking for help right here, and I feel like I'm getting slapped in the face. Like, what in the world is really, really going on here? Again, I go back to the way that both, of the, both Saul and David are interpreting what's going on. For Saul, this is a win. He goes, God is with me. We're going to kill David. But, but for David, he looks at, at this whole thing, and he, and he says to the, the, the priest, he goes, bring the ephod. We need to hear from God. See, this is why 
David is a man after God's own heart because his response to this isn't to get angry, but to, but to respond in a way where he always comes back to God. That's why you've got to be careful of turning adversity with others towards God. In other words, projecting my anger onto God. Or, 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 yeah, just saying, you know, God, I don't like the way you're handling this. I don't like the answer. I'm praying. I'm in pain. You know, I thought you were on my side. Apparently, you're not on my side because they're winning. seems like I'm losing. They got the house. I didn't get anything. You know, um, it's not turning out the way that I want it to turn out. And so we project our anger onto God. Now, it could have been easy for David to do this, especially to this town, these people. He saved these people. He risked his own life to save this, these, these people, and then they turned on him. Now, there's a, there's a principle that's in this, and I want you to get this deeply ingrained inside. You, you might even want to write this down. It's real simple. And it's simply this. Don't burn bridges. Don't burn bridges with people. Don't ever burn bridges. In, in 40 plus years of being a pastor and dealing with all kinds of people and at various times having people really be mean to me, I'll just put it that way, I've learned never ever burn a bridge. Never. You say, why? Because, see, David didn't burn a bridge here. He could have. He could have gotten totally mafia on this town and come back later on and said, you know what? You betrayed me. I'm coming back for you. I'm going to get you. But he didn't do that. You know what happened later on? David would come back and he would rule over those people and have a peaceful relationship with them. He didn't let his temper get the best of them. Now, why don't you burn bridges? Well, what are bridges for? Bridges are to get from me to you and from you to me, right? That's how we get to each other. And if you burn a bridge, well, then what happens after that? There's no way for us to get back and, and forth. And so on a practical level, well, Steve... Can you be a little more clear? Okay, let me make it a little bit more clear. You know that person that you're angry at and you just want to destroy them. Maybe you even have the opportunity and a way of destroying their, because they hurt you. They made, they made you hurt so bad. They hurt your life and you're going, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. Don't do it. That's called burning a bridge right there. You don't do it. You say, you know what? I'll let God take care of it. God, you know, you do what you do. You're the one that brings justice, right? In time, and I can only tell you this because after so many years of people that were mean to me, and maybe I deserved it on some, sometimes maybe I did, but I didn't burn a bridge. I can't tell you how many people have come back my way and said, hey, Steve, can, can we have lunch? Can we have a cup of coffee? Can, can we talk all these years later? Because I didn't burn that bridge. I, I, I didn't get crazy on them. I didn't destroy them with words. Could it be that you're here today and you're just getting ready to do that to somebody because you are so angry and you're in fight mode? And maybe God would say to you today, don't burn that bridge. Don't burn that bridge. Keep that door open, okay, to that, that person. Remember I told you about the guy that tried to sabotage me in the very first part of the story? A few years ago, and this is many years later, a few years ago he called me up. I mean, this guy just basically tried to destroy my life in some ways, but... He called me up, and he apologized and opened the door for that relationship. Don't ever, ever burn a bridge. You know why? Because Jesus never burned a bridge. And you and I shouldn't do that either. David didn't do that. David, always, he, would just, he would just go to the Lord 
Remember God, and it, when, it's hard to sometimes feel like God's for you sometimes when you're in pain, when you're hurting, when, when all your emotions are there. But know this, God's always for us. He's always got our back. Okay, so you're here today and you go, Steve, it doesn't feel like it to me. Just know that he is, okay? By faith, know this. God is for you. He, he, he's got your back. And so you've got to know when to move on and let God fight your battle for you. And this is really, really important. This is the better part of wisdom. Okay, so let's, let's see what happens next. 1 Samuel 23, last, last couple of verses. So David and his men, about 600 men in number, left Keilah, and they kept moving from place to place. And when Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he did not go there. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him. But guess what? It says, but God did not give David into his hands. God said, I got, I got my man covered. My man David, he is my man. Saul, you're not. I got his back. It's the same for you and I. You're going through the battle of your life. Some injustice has happened to you. You're suffering. You're mad. You don't know if you want to run or fight this morning. And uh, you need to do what David would do. You inquire of the Lord. You come to God. You got God, I need to hear your voice. I need your help. Help me, Lord, through this situation. And what did what, did, what was God's response to David? He says, David, you're okay. Saul's not going to get you. You will be king one day. If you and I will go to God, he's going to make it okay in, in your life. So I want to leave you with a couple of questions. The first one is this. Is there noise that's going on all around you about what you're involved in right now? So much so that you're having a hard time getting clarity. If so, I want to encourage you this morning, go to God. Maybe you've never done it that way before. Lean in hard. Keep trying to hear God in any way that you can hear God. Some of the ways that we talked about today. And then, what is it maybe that you need to surrender and allow God to fight for you instead of you being in fighting? Some of you, are, you're probably battle-weary. You come here today and you go, I'm so tired of fighting. I'm tired of a particular fight that I'm in or battle that I'm in. And God is saying, yeah, I'm getting tired of watching you. Step back, okay? Step back. Let me in into this thing, and I'll do what I do. And I'll do it way better than you do it, okay? Let's pray. Lord, it's hard being in the battle. And Jesus, if anybody could ever understand that, it would be you. You understood the battle. But Lord, you always turn to your Father. You set an example for it. You model it for us so well. And sometimes, Lord, it's so hard for us to do that. Man, our emotions get the best of us. Man, we get hurt. We get angry. We want to fight back. We want to take justice into our own hands. We want to make them suffer the way that we suffered. On and on it goes. But, Lord, this morning, help us to do the wise thing. Help us to look to you. Help us to, to, to look to the example of David and always go to you before we go to battle in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.